Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkett. You know, I think what we should do when you do the intro is when you say where youth ministry and culture collide, we should put a car crash sound. (laughs) (laughs) That would be kind of fitting because... When you think about youth ministry and culture, well, church in general and culture, especially nowadays, it's like beating its head on top of each other. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> that, that would kind of be fitting a little bit, especially with a lot of junk that's happening right now in our culture. Last oh, years. gracious, dude. But hey, good things are happening. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet on the podcast. I probably have, but back in November, we ordered a sliding glass door to be installed in the back of our house. And it just came in like a few weeks ago (laughs) and it got installed yesterday. So we now have a sliding glass door in the back of our house, which is fantastic because it gives us direct access to the deck, which means we can move to next phase of making another room for our kids. Cause we live in a three bedroom house and there's nine of us. (laughs) Yeah. I have a hard enough hard enough time being in the house that we're we're renting right now uh, as we're looking for a house, which is insane right now with the, with the housing market mm-hmm. uh, the way it is. But um, yeah, so we're in, we're in a three bedroom house, but it's a, it's a very tiny house built in nineteen oh five, I think maybe Holy a little cow. later than that, maybe a little bit later than that. So it's an old house. So some things have been updated in it, uh, but the two bedrooms two bedrooms don't even have a closet. How many closets in the masters? The masters tiny. All the bedrooms have a fireplace built into it that's covered now because that's how it was back in the day. There was wow. no heating. Oh yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, so it's a very it's a it's a blessing of a house because we have one, but I it's never been a house with kids with one bathroom. Oh, oh no. When you have children, you need more than one bathroom. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Espe- especially, uh, like, for instance, this week we've been dealing with uh, uh, stomach virus this week. Oh. And so when the kids have to go, when the sick one has to go use the restroom mm-hmm. or throw up in the toilet, you have to spend another five minutes cleaning everything so everybody else around the house can use it. And you have to do that every single time they go in there. And we've been yep. doing that with all week because one kid got sick. We thought the we thought it was gone. After they got better, we thought everybody else is okay and safe. Then the next one starts puking, and we're like, "Oh, great!" That's what happened to us the first time our family got COVID. Our kids shared it every other day, so <laughs> we were stuck in our home for like a month straight. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Thankfully, that knock on wood, I don't usually get the stomach virus. Knock on wood, um, I haven't had it in a long time. If I have it, I'm not up chucking. It's going down the other end. Oh, all right, yay! <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of which, <laughs> what's the topic today? <laughs> oh yeah, so uh, I'm really excited about it. this. Is something I kind of wanted to be. I've wanted us to talk about for a while and discuss, and this is the idea of what worship really is mm. uh, and how it correlates to the church and how it correlates to student ministry, overall youth ministry, uh, how that looks like. So I think uh, we get this idea that worship is something we just do on Sunday morning gathering. Yeah. In reality, and you and Jacob talk about this, is it's an outflow of what's going on uh, during the week in your own work, personal worship with God every single day throughout the week. Anyway, so it's a, it's a topic that I'm really thankful that we're hitting today because I don't think it's discussed enough mm-hmm. in realms, even student ministry, I don't think it's discussed enough 
Um, and part of that, I think, is because, um, quite frankly, I think, I think most people have an incorrect view of what worship is. Well, and if you dig down deep enough into it, and we'll get into that with the interview today, um, it goes, because it goes beyond just singing worship songs on a Sunday morning, you're basically talking about a lifestyle. And people can make a change for a season. People can make a change for a certain amount of time. People can choose to do something differently for a little bit. But if you're not living a lifestyle of worship, then what we're talking about is basically an overhaul of your entire life. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that can be daunting, but I don't think it has to be the kind of thing that you look at and go, this is an impossible change to make. It's it's an incremental change over time, which is basically everything we do. Everything we learn, every good habit we get into, it's an incremental change over time. It's not like some big whoosh and everything's different now. I mean, that's what happens with natural disasters. About That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, again, very, very excited about this topic. Um, it's a topic that's not discussed enough. Um, so I'm really excited about this discussion with you, David, and Jacob, specifically on worship. So stay tuned as we talk with Jacob Roberts. Hey guys, I am excited today because I not only get to interview a worship pastor, but he's also my coworker. Uh, today I get to interview Jacob Roberts, the worship pastor at Unity Baptist Church. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Excited to be here with you across the hall from you. Yeah, so um, just for the sake of quality audio recording, we decided to, even though we work in the same building, uh, instead of doing it in the same room, uh, we decided to get two separate mics and uh, just interview across the hall. So uh, hopefully this works out. Um, but before we get into uh, our topic of conversation today, Jacob, why don't you go ahead and just kind of intro yourself, let everybody know who you are, um, how you got into worship ministry, and uh, what your favorite planet is. Yeah. All right. So uh, again, just thanks, David and Ryan, for having me on. Um so a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. Uh, he's actually was the founding pastor of the church that David and I both serve at. And um, it was really cool growing up here, really getting the opportunity to grow in worship ministry uh, as uh, a youth, actually, as a student in the student ministry here. And I got a lot of opportunity young just to play music and I lead others in worship. And um, just through that and through different experiences, um, I felt the Lord call me into full-time worship ministry. And um, I fought that a little bit. Uh, I wanted to be a computer guy. And so I went to uh, Liberty uh, and said, I'm going to be a computer science major. And I'll, do, I'll go ahead and do worship ministry as, my, uh, as, uh, as a part-time job. Uh, that, that'll be fine. That, that, that's what you want, right, Lord? And um, I got there and talked with a uh, advisor, and they said basically you picked the two hardest majors in the entire school as far as <laughs> workload goes. So we would advise you to pick one. And that person had no idea uh, that they were <laughs> just being the mouth of the Lord. I feel like in that moment, and I said, "Okay, Lord, you want me to do this full time? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust you." Um, wow. So I went. I went to Liberty for four years, got a degree in worship studies, and I served uh, at a church up there while I was there, and also served, as soon as I graduated, I started serving at a church uh, for three years, and um, after serving there for a while, uh, I just felt the Lord calling me to come back to my home church. It was, uh, the church was looking for somebody for a long time, and I was actually trying to uh, recommend my friends for the job that I currently have and was trying yep. to help the church out, find someone uh, to find someone. And it ended up being where the Lord was just giving me some time to, uh, to, um, for him to show me that, uh, that this is where he wanted me to be. So currently I am just loving life. I'm loving ministry. I'm loving where I am. 
And uh, it's awesome to be able to uh, lead our church as a whole in worship. Um, but also, it is super exciting to be able to serve with our uh, student worship team. And uh, it is, it's so exciting. One of the cool things is uh, my wife, who we met at Liberty, she's also a worship leader. So it was never one of the things that I was like, I have to have a wife that can sing as well. Yeah. But one of the cool things is it's just kind of like it's just kind of like the the icing on top. It's like yeah. the Lord is just kind of like here she could sing too. It just it, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, here. <laughs> uh, my wife Hannah, uh, wonderful singer yes. and a wonderful worship leader, uh, love her to death. And uh, it is just right now I've I've never been uh, happier in ministry than I currently am right now. So it's. It's exciting to be a part of God's work uh, where he's got me. That that's awesome, dude. And and I'm I'm glad you're here too. Um and not just because I had to help run the praise team until we found you. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job, man. That's a that's a tough job. It it is. Um especially when you're only enough of a musician to be able to produce good sound but not know what it looks like on paper. Um <laughs> Um, so as we hop into the topic today, obviously, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's going to be about worship. Um, and, but there's a couple of things because, um, as, as Ryan and I have had conversations over the years, um, just regarding ministry, cause we're both youth pastors. Um, and, and one of the concerns, uh, being that we don't want, uh, student ministry, youth ministry to become a, a silo ministry within the church. And one of the things that can help bridge the gap between the youth and the rest of the church is the uh, the music side of worship. And um, I wanted to get your um, your input on uh, how important it is uh, not just for uh, a worship culture within the personal life of a believer, but even more so uh, in the personal life of a youth in the church. Yeah, for sure, it is um, extremely important that we get the order of those two things correctly. I feel like uh, we as a church and uh, me as a worship leader and our pastor, uh, we can strive really hard to try to fix the worship culture in our churches. Mm -hmm. And what can happen with that is we can, we can limit that to just looking like a room full of people singing loudly and if that's as far as what you think a worship culture in a church is, then we have completely missed the entire purpose of worship. We've completely missed the entire definition of it. And uh, it can be really easy for, uh, for us to get trapped in that. Um, especially, I remember being a student. Uh, it's Like I said, it's cool being back at the church that I grew up in and uh, <laughs> serving uh, with our students here in the same room that I grew up in, uh, out in the, we have a modular building and, uh, yeah. just being able to, to serve in that room is cool and to see how it's just come full circle. Uh, but being able to know where I was as a sixth, seventh, eighth grader, uh, starting out with a microphone singing, and knowing that that was pretty much the extent of my leading worship was I step up on stage and I sing and people think that's something and people encourage me and think that's great. Um, I mean, we should encourage our students, but we have to know how to encourage them. We have to know what to encourage in them that we, we have the opportunity to say, yeah, you do have a great voice. Yeah, you do have a great uh, ability to play an instrument. But what we do here, the entire purpose of what we do here is to lead others in worship. And we cannot lead someone else to a place that we have not led ourselves to first. First, we have to be in the word. We have to uh, actively and actively want to serve the church. We have to desire to serve the church. And what has to be first in that, as a person who tends to, uh, has a bent towards legalism, it can hey, look like, too. pull out the, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone on this call. So, <laughs> um, as a person who's bent towards legalism, they can tend to look like, let's pull out the big old Christian list that I've had my entire life. 
and just check that off. And then I'm ready to lead worship. At the core of everything has to be a love of Jesus. At the core of everything has to be a realization that I have nothing to offer apart from him. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to offer. And so at the core of teaching our students and teaching our congregations what worship is, is first we have to teach them to love Jesus above all things. We have to teach them to be students of the gospel. Uh, we can get lost in the fact that the gospel is pretty easy when you just uh, when you just try to spit out a gospel presentation. We get these memorized, and you think, mm-hmm. this is the gospel. No, the gospel is our entire life. Everything that we are, every single person that we come into contact, we get the opportunity to preach the gospel uh, with our words, with our actions, with everything. And so teaching them to get just just to be so consumed by the gospel that when Jesus is first, a lifestyle of worship is not going to feel like a list of legalism, but instead it is going to feel like the only thing that you want to do in your life. The only thing that you want to do is worship Jesus. So that's the, that's the building block. Each individual person is a building block of building the worship culture in your church. And it has to start there. It doesn't start from the stage. It starts from, developing, trying to push people towards, I want to know Jesus more. I want to have a deeper understanding of the gospel and let that be what drives me every day. So one of the frustrations, I guess, that we have as youth pastors is we want that for our students. I mean, well, I guess back it up. Maybe some of our frustration is we're not doing that ourselves, but that's a whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, but the reality of it is that we have a lot of students in youth, um, maybe some that are active, that come, that serve, that worship, that um, enjoy being there, some that are just kind of on the fringe. Um, but there's a lot of students that are in and out of the church. And um, whether we like it or not, uh, and this can go across any context, really, a lot of them don't have a personal uh, life of worship uh, at home, and that's partially because they're not getting it from the adults in their life. So their only interaction with any type of worship comes when they're here uh, meeting with other church people during either a regularly scheduled thing like a Sunday morning worship service or Sunday night or Wednesday night. So what's one thing that maybe one or three, whatever, however you want. But what's one thing we can do as youth leaders to um, assist them in getting to a life, a personal life of worship, if they're not really getting it from home? Like, you know, an unsafe parent, two unsafe parents, uh, living with grandparents, you know, anything like that. So uh, with saved parents, it's a little bit easier. And uh, like <laughs> you've mentioned, you, you do a you do a great job of equipping parents to, uh, to be the primary uh, spiritual guides in students' lives. Um, but when they have parents that may be doing harm to them spiritually, uh, it's very difficult to try to figure out what to do as leaders. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like we have to take on more of a spiritual parent role in that specific student's life rather than than equipping the parents, which a lot of times that I feel like that's a, a, a lot of people miss that, that we should equip the parents to be the ones and challenge the parents to be the ones that mm-hmm. uh, lead their students um, and checking in on their students. But when they don't have that, uh, that role kind of has to fall to, to us as uh, pastors and as leaders, as youth leaders. And uh, I know that, I mean, I've had some friends, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have had parents that love Jesus and led me um, a, every step of the way and pointed me back to him. And whenever I had questions, uh, they pointed me to have you talk to Jesus about it, always. Mm-hmm. That was always the first thing out of their mouths. But when, when students don't have that option, uh, we have to be the person that they turn to when they don't understand something spiritually. We have to be the. We have to set ourselves up as the people that they trust, build trust with these students, to where if they have a question spiritually, that we're the first person that they come to spiritually. Not saying to just remove the parents from the picture and encourage them to not go to their parents first, 
But if a student needs something spiritually, we have to be, uh, I feel like it's important that we set ourselves up as the people that they come to. And then, I mean, you get an awesome opportunity. I've seen tons of students lead their parents to work, uh, lead their parents to Christ. And so kind of encouraging our students uh, as, as the evangelists in their own home, even though that's not the the order that things should be in, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, things don't always work out in the order that they're supposed to be in or whatever. Yeah, you're right. And, and for some students, um, you know, that's probably going to end up looking like us, not just pointing them to Jesus, but also teaching them how to be respectful in their conversations with a parent. Because mm-hmm. it might not be an apathetic or unsaved parent. It may be a parent who's hostile to the gospel. Yeah. And uh, how do you navigate that? Like, you know, we're, we're over here in church preaching, you know, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And then they go home and their parents like the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and, I can't imagine. Yeah, I really can't. I'm probably not the best person to be talking about this subject. Um, but I mean, just kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, just getting our students to a point where they're so in love with Jesus that the gospel is at the center of their lives. And when the gospel is at the mm-hmm. center of a person's life, Jesus is ultimately at the center and people are going to respond like him. When you're just so uh, in love with him and you are studying who he is, then you will love like him. And if you're not loving like him, and if you're not responding like Jesus, then is the gospel really the center of your life? Is the gospel what your main goal is in life? Uh, so it's just spending that time, just building up uh, our students and encouraging them just, just become uh, just, let the gospel just be what oozes out of you in everything mm. that you do. And that's going to be what changes a parent's heart more than anything. Yeah. So, so if, uh, if students, if parents, if they're engaging in a, a personal life of worship uh, in their daily lives, if they're pursuing Jesus uh, and, and trying to, um, you know, honor him and, and uh, keep the gospel at the center, what, what is, uh, so that's like step one, I guess. Um, step two, I think next would be a worship culture within the church uh, overall, uh, which involves the students, hopefully, to some degree. Um, and uh, in in your opinion, uh, or I guess we could say professional analyses. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, what? Why is it important not just to have a personal life of worship uh, in your own home, but also a culture of worship within the church overall? Uh, It's important uh, because that moment where, as far as like, if we talk about specifically Sunday morning worship, um, I know for me, uh, Sunday morning worship, uh, of course, as the worship leader, the, the constant fight is the work versus worship battle of like I'm sitting here thinking oh, I need to fix this, that, and the other, running around uh, everywhere. And but just uh, the the main thing is uh, allowing that time of worship, that hour on Sunday morning, to basically be the culmination of the life of worship that you've led throughout the previous week, and allowing it also at the same time to be the kickstart into a week where uh, a week of personal worship as well, a week of worshiping God personally as well. And so having a culture of worship in the church, um, understanding that the worship service isn't the only time of worship during the week. We can get stuck in that. Um, But having that culture of worship, uh, when you're like, it, it all comes back to personal, honestly. Because if you're building up personal, if you're making disciples, if you're if people are following after Jesus, then that culture of worship is just going to happen. And so, being but making sure that you've got the systems in place to go to to constantly be moving towards that, I have not figured that out personally. I I, I and I don't think I ever will be fully where I want it to be. Because uh, like I said earlier, you can get stuck in the in the the. Uh, the trap of thinking that a room full of people singing loudly is the culture of worship that you've arrived at. Um, but it looks more like personal conversations that happen in the room on Sunday mornings are about Jesus and not about shallow things. Um, your relationships are built around the relationship that you have with God. Um, 
like we see with the early church, uh, what we the the descriptions that we see there, their relationships at the core of their relationships were Jesus. It was mm-hmm. their relationship that they had with him. And so um, building that culture of beyond just the music, uh, everything that we do, every every ministry that we have, every single thing that happens uh, as a part of the, the body of believers is uh, is centered around Jesus and centered around the gospel. And for students, it's important to see their parents and their adults in their lives setting a good example of that. So often they just kind of get like, we expect our students to do something that 80% of the church may not be doing. And I'm just fighting words. Yeah. It's very, (laughs) and even like my generation looked at that and was, uh, very, um, and was kind of turned off by it. And you're seeing the, that's the reason why a lot of, uh, when I say my age, I'm 27. And when a, a lot of people might get turned off by it because um, so many people taught their kids, they went to church, they taught their kids to go to church and do the right thing, but it was never built around why. Mm. Reason why is Jesus. Fall in love with him and going to church and having healthy relationships is going to be the the flow of it. But when you get you, you graduate out at 18 years old and like, why would why did I spend all these years going to church? Like, what was the purpose of all that? Just because that's what my parents told me to do. No, we've got to make sure that we're putting Jesus at the center of that student's life and um, having a healthy culture of worship as as a corporate body of believers uh, definitely helps give a student a, a fighting chance <laughs> as they grow yeah. up. I agree. I mean, we're we're in a generation now that I probably started back when we were younger. Uh, we we got to know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got to know why the uh, it's what a good American does is not a is not <laughs> a good reason to go to church anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't. It does not work. It does no, it not doesn't. work. In fact, it's now no longer. Uh, I, it, maybe in maybe more so in the South, it still is, but it's really no longer culturally advantageous to be a part of a church. Yeah, uh, which is probably the reason why a lot of people were still um you know regular church attenders is because they knew that it it uh you know politicians you know i'm a part of this church oh good they're religious we'll vote for them you know yeah (laughs) Um, people would go to church just to get uh that was the place to go that was the place to get the votes to get the clients in your business to get all of that i know my grandpa who was a pastor this was before he was called into ministry at 35 years old he said i i went to church for even when I wasn't a Christian, didn't believe any of it. I went because that was where I could get my clients for my insurance business. And that was the culture back then. And that, I mean, a lot of people have that expectation of the culture today that if I just bring them to church, then that, I mean, they might walk down the aisle, they might get baptized, but never at the core of it was like, why do I do this? Mm-hmm. And it, it's very important, especially today that we're teaching our students why. Yeah, What's the purpose absolutely. of this all? Absolutely. So and for those of you who are listening, um, I don't know if this has driven you crazy yet, but we've spent about 20 minutes talking about this and have yet to hit on music itself. Uh, but there's a reason for that. That's a good thing. Uh, because <laughs> um, the music part of worship at a church is not the be-all, end-all of worship at a church. Yes. Um, but music and praise in the Lord through the art of music is a part of what worship looks like. So I'm going to jump in to the fire and drag you in there with me. Um, uh, we grew up uh, during the, uh, uh, what, what would you call it? I would probably call it during uh, during the crest of the worship wars. Um, during of people... the most confused era of <laughs> worship ministry and church. Yep. So I'm just going to put it out there. Why is it important to carefully select what songs you use during the musical portion of the worship service on Sunday mornings? Well, even if you go to churches, like say you were just to show up at a church that uh, many people might consider uh, not the most theologically sound, you were to go up and ask the most, um, go up and ask a, a random congregation member and say, would you be okay with your pastor not preaching from the Bible? 
would you be okay with your pastor not preaching from the word? I mean, I would feel like the the typical answer would be, no, nah, I mean, preach the word, Pre- preach, preach from the word. I know about Jesus hope so. to some extent. <laughs> and a, a lot of times the music at a church, we expect the worship leader to be more of a rah-rah guy. And the, the theology can sometimes take the back seat to that. And some of the most easily accessible, I'll say it that way, some of the most easily accessible worship music today that doesn't make it theologically sound. And (laughs) yeah. And so when uh, on a personal level, as a worship leader, I take the day that I stand before the Lord and have to, um, and have to uh, give account for everything that I did very seriously. Mm -hmm. That's something that is always on my mind. And there are some songs that I really just like, I try to like, I I just love the way it's a, it's a good, it's good musically. Mm-hmm. And there will, there's the internal war of like, man, I, there's just that one line. Can I just go ahead and power through that one line? And then ultimately I fall back on the no, I can't do that because I personally have to stand before the Lord and say that I taught this congregation that this line was okay theologically. Yeah, yeah you don't want and, to be reckless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah, so it's sorry. Good <laughs> so it's it's very important uh, to as as a worship leader to have a very fine tooth comb mm. as we select worship music. Uh, so we what's have, the first what's the first rule of thumb you use? First rule of thumb that I use. The first rule of thumb for me is honestly, when I hear a song, I give it the wince test. Like, is there a line that I genuinely like, does it just like, Ooh, let me, what's that line again? If there's something that's even there and I have to go like do a deep dive on it, I have Mm -hmm. to think about that. Like what's the congregation going to think of this? Mm -hmm. And if it, if it makes me uncomfortable and I have to, try to weigh out is is it okay for me just to just to push this line through then i i I always caution on the other side um there's too much worship music out there that is theologically sound for us to settle for anything less Hmm. and if the day ever comes when there is none to be found uh my very minimal songwriting abilities are going to have to be brought out of their dormancy (laughs) Um, but it's, it's so important that we, that that is the first priority, Mm -hmm. uh, when we, as worship leader, as worship leaders, and especially to teach our students, uh, to bring this back to to students in this podcast, it's teaching our students that, uh, that, yeah, that song that we hear on the radio, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a great song. I mean, it's a, it's, it's really great for, um, just to, to, um, get you started in your day. It's more of a I, me song. And there, there are some I, me, we songs that can be very good um, for your car ride to work. Mm-hmm. And they're centered on Jesus. But what happens in the room, what we lead other students in and what we lead other uh, congregation members in has to point, has to allow them to direct their attention towards Jesus. And if, uh, and another test for me is, you know that you know that uh, feeling that you get after just having a like you've just sung a worship song that you're just your heart is just like about to burst, and you have this moment where you just have a deep breath and an exhale of like, whoo, man, that was really really good. Mm-hmm. If that breath is taken and the thought in your head is about yourself, then I'm not doing my job well. Woo. That breath that you breathe out at the end of that song has to be breathed in a wow, Jesus is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. like, let's just keep singing. Like, I, I want to sing that chorus again. That that moment of just contentment. If I if I've led you to have that moment in yourself, then 
like I said, I'm going to stand before the Lord and not be happy with what I hear one day. Yeah. Uh, I, there, there's two kinds of songs and I know this is an overgeneralization of it, but there's two kind of song, two kinds of songs that kind of drive me nuts. It's the, um, seven 11 songs, the seven <laughs> words, 11 times in a row. And, um, which I think is meant to induce some sort of like emotional response. And then the other ones I don't like is the Jesus is my boyfriend songs. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that makes me super uncomfortable. I'm so in love with Jesus. I just want to cuddle him. It's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's good that there was something you told me a while ago and I'm going to butcher this. So feel free to correct it. Uh, you said something about, um, if we're going to sing a song on Sunday mornings, it's got to be to Jesus for Jesus or about Jesus or something like that. Yeah. It has to be, um, the, the lyrics of the song from the individual person in the congregation's viewpoint, there has to be there has to be an act of lifting up these lyrics directly to Jesus, directly to God. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some songs that I will do that uh, are based on, that might use the I or the me. Uh, for example, let's use like Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham as an example. I love that song. Mm-hmm. I do. I lead that song here at church. Uh, the the lyrics of the verses are when all I see is the battle you see my victory, uh, uh, and a lot of those kinds of lines. Uh, typically, I mean, it's a lot of when all I see is the mountain you see the mountain moved, and as I walk through the shadows your love surrounds me. There is there's a lot of me and I in that, but at the end of the day, all of that is based on Jesus. All of that at the core of what is being sung is about him and what he is able to do. And it's not about me being the one moving the mountain or me being the one uh, accomplishing it because I'm a good person or I can do this. It's Jesus is the one that does all of this. And the chorus of, so when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high, total surrender. It's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. That's a that's an example of a song that uses the I and the me that I would use. But there are some thing there are just some songs out there that I feel like at the end of the song it pumps up the individual and that is farthest thing that I want. I don't want I mean, I, I want us to be pumped up, but pumped up in Jesus. I want us right. to be excited about who he is. And if there's anything and if you get to the end of the song, like I said earlier, and that's and, and it's based on, man, I can do it then man, I've led you to the wrong person. Yeah. That song's a great example of, you know, like I can't do this, but I know you can, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm the worst, but you're the best. <laughs> that, that kind of a thing. But I think you're right because there, there's another aspect of this. And, and this is, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing like a worship set as we would call it. Um, but for the purposes of like, let's just use our context. Our Sunday morning worship set is, um, I would probably say its purpose, um, in addition to lifting up the name of Jesus, is also um, you're on your way to preparing your heart to hear from His Word directly. Yes, um, definitely. And and so I think it's important that the the selection of what you're using in in the in the song part um, leads you mentally, emotionally, spiritually to a place where when the band stops and you pray and you say amen and then they walk off stage and the pastor gets up to start preaching, whoever's out there is ready to hear what God has to say through the Holy Spirit and the mouth of whoever's speaking at the on stage. <laughs> and definitely. And I think with what you've just described, if you're singing a bunch of me, me, I, I, Jesus is my boyfriend songs, by the time you get to the sermon, you're not thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about yourself. For sure. And, and and how can you be prepared to hear from Jesus when you're thinking about yourself? I mean, Scripture is very clear that uh, God is opposed to the proud. It uh, gives grace to the humble. God, uh, we have to be um, at a place of humility of, I have nothing to offer apart from you. Jesus, you be the one that fills me. And you be the one that sends me out to uh, reach others for you. Yeah, I, you're right. And th- there's there's one gripe 
that I've heard the most often when I talk to people about worship songs. I, I think it's the worst excuse in the world because it, it smacks of laziness. Um, but the, the worst uh, excuse I've heard for why people don't like worship songs is because they think Christian songs are all the same and they're boring. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. You know, first of all, you've never heard of Shane and Shane. Um, but <laughs> second of all, there is some some good worship songs that lift up Jesus, are doctrinally robust, and express a love and a gratitude for who God is and what he's done and what he continues to do and what he's gonna do uh that are out there. And uh I hate to say this, I, I feel like I freely can because I don't ever want them as a sponsor. But if all you're listening to is K Love and that's your Christian music intake, you, you need to change the dial because there's a lot of other stuff out there than the ten songs they play on repeat. <laughs> yeah. Um and to to go to the uh to address the um Christian music is boring and the same I think I don't think it necessarily uh, is the most exciting uh, musically all the time, but I think there's purpose in that. Uh, I think that what is, again, what is the ultimate goal of this song? Is it to make you hear like, wow, this band sounds amazing. This is exciting. This is, wow, did you hear that chord change? Well, at least that's, kind of things that I'm thinking about. Did you hear musicians <laughs> in the room? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there are, there's some great worship songs out there that do have, um, that are fantastic musically and there's nothing wrong with that. So when you hear me saying all of this, don't make me, don't take me as saying that it's wrong to have an excellent piece of music to yeah. be used in worship. But I think that there's also some purpose in keeping it relatively, uh, simple, so for me, as a worship leader, my personal mantra and our worship team's goal each week, they've heard me say this a ton, they probably are tired of hearing me say this at this point, is to execute excellently for the sake of getting out of the way uh, of somebody's attention. <laughs> you want to get out of the way to where people aren't thinking, wow, the, ban the band's amazing. Uh, the band is sounding great today. Did you hear that? I mean, did you hear what the uh, the acoustic guitarist is doing? Did you hear, see that drummer? He's doing awesome. But just executing to a point where all that the congregation is getting is the message of the lyric and able to point that directly to Jesus. We're just there as uh, just to serve them the the, the lyric, basically. Yeah, you're like the conduit. <laughs> yes, the conduit. That's a good word. Um, we're there just to... Uh, just to point them to Jesus and to uh, um, to address the initial complaint sometimes. If we have that heart of it, I think we're a little more accepting of the fact that, yeah, worship or Christian music may not be the most exciting all the time. Uh, that's a good for point. me, that's just, just a thought. That, I mean, that, that makes sense. And one of the other things that you've mentioned, I think you mentioned this to me at one point, was... Um, song selection can sometimes be as simple as uh, can everybody sing it. Yeah. Uh, there's, I have a, uh, I mean, for me personally, I do songs each Sunday. Uh, I lower the key, uh, pretty regularly to a point where it's not the most comfortable for me to sing. I mean, I have a higher voice. Uh, I, I tend to, I have a, I'm a tenor one. So, uh, I, my natural and my, my personal, comfort level is to sing the song higher or maybe in the original key yep. but if i'm constantly just at the top of my range the congregation's going to wear out uh the, <laughs> the average person is just going to be worn out and so we have to as worship leaders again um make sure that when we're choosing keys for songs that it's for uh, for the average congregation member they have to be able to comfortably sing in that range uh it's hard when you have both men and women in the room to find a, a relatively comfortable key uh, i mean there's some you have to lean one way or the other uh that's true pretty much on each song but you don't want to just completely wear out your congregation uh, just because you're, you're singing in your personal range it's not about 
it's definitely, it's not about me at all. It's about them being able to sing. Had a professor that said, the professor that said that, I'll never forget the phrase that he said, is that the most important voice in worship is the congregation, not yours. That, that that's a good point. The other the other part of that for just for me personally, because I've had students that have come up to me like, "Hey, I heard this great song on the radio. We should do it for uh, youth worship," and and I'll listen to the song and be like, "Yeah, that's a great song." But um, even if we put it in the right key, people wouldn't be able to track with it because it's a complicated song. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, note changes that go. Like um, I'm trying to think of an example of one that that's like a good worship song. It's just really hard for people to to track with it, but I can't think of one specifically right now. The only thing that's popping into my head, and I know this is like some bizarre cultural reference, but <laughs> there's a couple of songs in uh, the the new Encanto movie, Encanto from Disney, um, that they're very difficult to sing because there's a lot of pitch change at a pretty big gap and it's fast. And if you're doing something that's got a lot of pitch change, that's very fast and large, and there's, uh, you know, speeding up, slowing down, just a, just a whole mess of stuff. Nobody's going to be able to follow that. So you Mm -hmm. may put on, you may end up putting on a great concert on a Sunday morning, but if the congregation can't participate, uh, let alone hit the right notes, uh, again, you've, you've negated the purpose of why you're worshiping. And I think you've done a really great job of establishing why, uh, we do what we do on a Sunday morning for worship and, and why uh, a personal life of worship is so important before and after the church meets corporately on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's, I mean, that's my goal. And just to kind of touch on the, uh, the songs that are more difficult to sing for congregations. Another thing is there are some songs that have way too many words in them. <laughs> and there are words that I mean, there are some songs that I've had to throw out over the years that I just love lyrically and yeah. that I can put on my worship playlist that I listen to. Yeah. Um, but trying to spit all of the lyrics out for uh, however many people you have in your room, uh, there will be some people that will be able to, but uh, you shouldn't be setting up uh a large portion of your congregation for uh, failure to be able to even participate. Yeah. You don't want to finish a song and, and look out of the congregation and see them going. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> for Panting sure. for water. <laughs> Thank God that's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on today. And um, I, I did want to ask though, like if somebody wanted to try to get in touch with you and just ask you some questions about worship culture or uh, song selection or uh, working with youth since you're heavily involved in working with our youth praise team. Uh, you also work with our children's choir. So if somebody's got questions about that, um, it, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So for me, uh, here's my cell phone number, uh, 804-931-9891. I would say go to social media, but I am the absolute worst about checking any kind of messaging software. David can probably attest to that. You're a bad millennial. I'm kidding. Yep, I'm a bad millennial. <laughs> um, so if you shoot me a text or, I mean, give me a call, uh, I, I would, would love to be able to talk with you. I mean, I don't have a ton to offer, uh, but it's if there's any way that I that you think that if any of this struck a chord with you oh gosh awful pun you're 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 wearing <laughs> off on me david ah. ah i said the word struck and i got into it i'm like dang it i've got to finish the finish the thought <laughs> if any of this was was helpful in any way i uh, would love to be able to just uh, chat with you and uh, pray with you and encourage you in whatever way that i can awesome well hey man thanks for coming on today yeah i had a great time yeah thanks for having me well, man, like I said, the intro, I, I am very thankful for Jacob um, and this discussion on worship. I think it's important. I think it's not talked uh, enough. In fact, I don't, it's not, I think as, us as, as children's pastors, as youth, youth pastors, uh, we don't talk about this, I don't think, enough with our students about really what worship is and how because we, we title worship 
at even in our services or, mm-hmm. or Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night, whenever you have your student ministry gra- gathering, we label uh, worship as the time we sing. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the itinerary of what the night looks like. Worship is when there's music happening. Yeah. And, and, and with, I think without even realizing it, um, we kind of bring this facade, this mentality of worship is in a box over here that it's only a worship when there's music, mm-hmm. uh, when there's hands raised an emotionally driven thing, which all that is part of worship. There's a part of worship involved with that, but so much more than just that. And I think us as pastors, we have a tendency of, uh, unintentionally teaching our kids that that is only what worship is. Yeah, well, that's why I like the angle that Jacob looks at it from, because it's more for him um, and what he's even trying to teach our church um, from the stage on a Sunday morning is when you get to a Sunday morning worship service, because we call it a worship service too, you know? Yeah. um, That should be an outpouring of the worship that you've lived all week long. And you've now come ready to join with your brothers and sisters in Christ and lift high the name of Christ. And even like, um, even after the the worship set is over and it's time for the preaching, um, when he prays that transition prayer from the singing to the preaching, um, he's very intentional about what he says and the way he says it. And uh, the fact that we are now going from worshiping the Lord through song to now worshiping him through the preaching of his word and getting people out of this silo mentality of worship is just musical. And so I, that's one thing I've just really appreciated about his approach to it because there is so much more to worship than uh, the, the trendy worship songs. And if you noticed in the conversation, we don't spend as much time on the song aspect of worship as we do on everything else. So hopefully that was an encouragement to you guys. Hopefully the the topics that we covered uh, within the realm of worship are something that's got you thinking, um, got you uh, maybe adjusting your mindset on on worship, um, and uh, that you can uh, maybe make a couple of changes uh, to to improve the the lifestyle of worship that you live. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast today. Uh, if you haven't yet, please leave a comment or star review. That's That allows us to know how we're doing. Um, but also, uh, it keeps us at the top of the search results because if there's youth workers looking for a good youth ministry podcast, uh, we'd like to think we're a good youth ministry podcast. <laughs> so um, we'd like to be a resource to them. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast that we, maybe we haven't hit or maybe it's been a while, um, we'd love to hear from you. And you can do that because you can um, you can like our Facebook page, Youth and Culture Facebook uh, page, and also uh, we have a group that you can join. So if you want to get in there and collaborate with other youth workers, um, and we're also part of the RFP network of podcasts. I think there's I think there's nine now, um, and uh, there's a they cover a wide range of topics. Um, we're the I think we're the only one that's specific to youth ministry. Um, theirs are a little bit more broad. Um, some are doctrinal. Uh, some are topical, but it's a, it's a good group of guys. And a lot of the hosts are just, they're hilarious people. So uh, check them out there at rfpnetwork.org. And uh, we will see you guys in the next episode. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.